0: good morning okay well this um this morning i want to talk about to you about um the first quencher so hopefully we should have a a powerpoint coming up uh i took a little trip this morning into a little um paper shop and i am i think i'm Am I annoying someone? No, okay. And um, I tried to look for drinks that would quench your thirst. So I managed to come up with um, this popular brand, Oasis. Mmm, sounds like that's going to quench our thirst. I also found Drench. Mmm. And then I I found LucasAid Sport that tells me that it enhances hydration. (laughs) I was quite happy with them. You can try them afterwards. But this morning, uh, I want to talk about the true thirst quencher. And what I mean by that is Jesus. Jesus is the person who can satisfy our thirst. He's the one that will reach into the deepest part of our very soul. And whatever our need is, Even when we are unaware of what that is, he is able to hydrate it. He is able to meet our very deepest of needs. Whatever our situation, whether we are in ease at the moment or whether we are in desperation, we all have a need for Jesus. Our need to connect with the God who created us, is inbuilt into us from the moment we were created. So that thirst that we have is not going to go away until we meet the true thirst quencher that we were meant to be with. Only Jesus can give us this true and lasting and permanent the hydration that we need. I wonder if the, in the past, or even right now, you have felt a need so desperate in your very soul of your being that you knew that it was completely out of your power to do anything about, that the situation was so extreme That you needed someone or something higher or stronger or mightier to do something about it. Perhaps it was a family member in trouble or a close friend is diagnosed in some way. Or a financial situation that you faced that you felt, actually, I cannot do anything about this. Or finally, perhaps a pattern of behavior that you keep exhibiting that you just know is not good for you, but you're unable to break that pattern. Those are the situations when we need something, someone bigger than ourselves. Perhaps right now you're there, you're crying out to God Because you know that there is nothing you can do. The solution that you need is found in Jesus. I don't know why it's doing what it's doing. It's unhappy. (laughs) Whatever you need, Jesus is our thirst quencher. Is that right? Okay, all right. So one of the things I love about my job is that I get to spend time with lots of different people. I can just go and have lunch with one of you. I get paid. (laughs) But it's amazing because I get to hear your story, the part of your bit of God's overarching story of his love for us. It is a privilege to hear, to listen in on God's glorious story of salvation in your lives. But one thing that strikes me is that often these stories start with a very simple prayer, which is, Please help me. (laughs) Please help me. Only this week, I was um, chatting with someone and I asked him, you know, how did you come to know Jesus? First off, blah, 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 blah. My life was a mess. So I uttered a prayer I didn't even know was a prayer. God help me. And that's how many of us start our relationship with Jesus. It reminded me of a friend of mine who was having difficulty at school. And the way he started was he said, well, I couldn't do anything about it. I said, God, help me. And even in my own story, um, it starts with a breakdown of a relationship that I thought would end in marriage. And it involved me lying in my bed crying, like you do, and just saying, please help me. And at that moment, the presence of God came and I knew that I wasn't alone. The person who was able to do something about it, to meet my needs, my sense of loss and grief and bring joy and hope into that situation was there in that room. And in the New Testament, we see that people are drawn to Jesus of, often through sheer desperation. We've got um, the picture of the men who who out of desperation broke a hole in someone's roof and wrecked their house, for goodness sake, to get their friends in there. Or the woman who was bleeding, who snuck through the crowd, living a life of alienation and humiliation. She shouldn't touch anyone. She shouldn't go near anyone. And yet she risked everything to just touch Jesus' cloak. She was Desperate. And last week, our man who walks from Capernaum for his son to get better, he walks 25 miles to go and see a carpenter from Nazareth that he thinks might be able to help his son. It is out of desperation and a need that people often meet Jesus. But here's the big thing, isn't it? That anybody Anyone who wants to come to Jesus has to acknowledge their need. If we want to be a follower of Jesus, Bill, (laughs) we must own our thirst. We must own our thirst. I haven't got a clicker today. So that's my first point. We need to own our thirst. In the Bible, we see that God asks people to ask him, he goes to Solomon, king of um, Israel at the time, most successful. He's got so much. What and God just says, "What do you want me to give you? Could there be any more? What do you want me to give you?" The blind man that we read in the gospel, standing at the side of the road, screaming at the top of his voice, "Please help me!" Jesus says. What do you want me to do for you? And in teaching his disciples, Jesus asked them to ask. Ask. Ask for their daily needs. Ask for forgiveness. And in John's Gospel, later on we read in chapter 14, those mind-blowing words. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And earlier in our study of John, we met the woman at the well, whom after catching her attention by talking to her, which no one would ever do, he asks her to ask him a question, to ask him for something. Can you see how he very quickly turned it round? Let's look at that scripture quickly. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who asks you for a drink, You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And he went on to explain, anyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Eternal life being a quality of life, a relationship with God that goes on and on and can never be ended. What Jesus has for us is so beyond what we can begin to even ask for or imagine. The God of the universe, the uncreated one, the Lord of time and space, is inviting us to know him and to ask him for our deepest needs. Whatever our thirst is, Jesus can quench it. Whatever our thirst is, Jesus can quench, us, quench it. I was reminded of a story of a young woman that I heard um, only a couple of weeks ago, actually. And in her life, um, the men in her life had um, abused her in many different ways. They betrayed her. She'd never known a man of any type who had treated her well. And a friend of hers invited her to church and she began to hear about a father who loved her desperately, who had given everything he had to rescue her, who wanted to honour her, to esteem her, to give her hope and a future and adopt her into his family and give her a crown of righteousness, to be the daughter of the King of Kings to meet her deepest need. Whatever it is, Jesus can quench it. And later, I heard that as that woman began to hear this and began to live it out in her life, she began to find healing and forgiveness. She began to find hope and a future. And she's now um, an amazing woman serving the Lord and Seemed to get married to a nice man, <laughs> finally. Similarly, later in John's Gospel, moving on from the woman at the well, we read that Jesus attended the Feast of the Tabernacles. At the temple, he stood up and he said almost the same thing he said to the woman at the well. What he'd said to this woman in private, he now said to them in public. In fact, he yells it at the top of his voice. It is at the height of this feast in Jerusalem. The Jewish leaders are looking for a way to kill him. But he is so determined with this message that he stands up and yells it out in the temple courts to these people. And what does he say? Uh, It's John 7. And verse 37. Oh, I don't want that yet, Bill. Thank you. You may go back. Can you go back? This is what happens when you have a clicker. So take your Bibles. Chapter 7 of John. Thank you. 1072. Because this is the bit we're really going to sit in today. That was just the intro. Oh, there we go. There you go. Okay, so you can read it or you can read it up there. It says, On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And then John very helpfully explains to us that aren't New Testament, Old Testament scholars, um, that when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Now, let's, let me explain why Jesus, what he says here and shouts makes them so cross. Here we are at the Feast of Tabernacles. I want you to imagine this. It's harvest time, okay? And at harvest time, the Jewish people would build little shelters or booths outside their houses, and they would live in them and remember the time that God had rescued them from slavery in Egypt and brought them out into the desert. So here they are in their booths, and they're remembering that they walked in the desert, okay? So that's part one. And part of it is harvest. They're praying for the rains for the next year. Also going on here is this water ceremony that happens every day. So every day, they would go, the priests would go to the pool of Siloam. I think that's his name. Take a jug of water. Sorry, I don't have a jug. And they would parade it. Okay, so here they go. They're parading and all the people are parading behind them. Do, do, do. And they're singing and they're dancing. Da, la, 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 la. And they're following the water. And they go into the temple. La, 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 la. And the priest would get to the climax of it all. I won't do it. And he'd pour the water out in the temple. And it would flow away. La, 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 la. <laughs> Okay, so that's your little thing. (laughs) So, what's going on here? Well, they're praying for water, for rain. They're praying for God's provision. But the water was not just about rain. It was about the Spirit of God. Okay, so now we can go to the next slide, Isaiah. It says, "'For I will pour water on the thirsty land "'and streams on the dry ground, "'and I will pour out my spirit on your offering "'and my blessings on your descendants.'" So when the people were praising and singing and the music was going and they poured out the water, it wasn't just they were saying, we want water poured on the land, but they were saying, we want water of your spirit to be poured on us. We want your presence, God, to be here. It was a cry of a thirsty people not just for rain, but for God's presence to be with them again. And I wonder if you can relate to that thirst in your own story, a thirst for God's presence or subsequent times of thirst that you've encountered when you've just felt dry spiritually, and thirst is not a bad thing. There's a kind of holy dissatisfaction that comes over us when God wants us to move us closer to Jesus, to be filled again with the Spirit of God. I had a conversation only a couple of months ago with my wet fish girl, and I said, I just feel so dry. And she said, you need more And uh, so, yeah, we made some plans and we got going. And we are hungry. We are thirsty to know more of Jesus, to have him fill our every need. So as they possessed and they sang, here they go, la, 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 la. Here they go and they're singing. Okay. They want his presence to fill the temple like it did in days of past. They want God to establish his kingdom They're waiting for the Messiah, the day of the Lord. They recite these words from Zechariah. I think I've got them. Do I have them? Yes. On that day, the day God establishes his king, living water will flow out from Jerusalem, half of it to the east and the Dead Sea, and half of it to the west, to the Mediterranean, in summer and in winter. So a total geographical, permanent watering of the earth. The Lord will be king over the whole earth. And on that day, there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. And Jesus is yelling, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink the scriptures have declared rivers of living water will flow from his heart if you want God's living water his spirit amongst you his presence dwelling even you in your very heart Jesus says you need to come to me so no wonder in the next few verses if you read on later there is utter chaos that breaks out with people who say, he's the Messiah. Other people say, no, he's crazy. You know, they're all over the place and they want to kill him and get rid of him. Because he has declared that he is the Messiah. He is God. He's the one that can bring the spirit, the flowing, living waters and meet their every needs. When we look at his words, though, and this is where I want us to kind of land today. The gift is for anyone anyone. Jesus' offer there is for anyone, anyone who is thirsty. He's asking us to ask him, but we can't do it unless we own our thirst. We may not recognize the crisis we're in, but if you haven't accepted Jesus as Lord, you haven't accepted he's God you haven't accepted that you were created to be with him, that he can come into your life, if you haven't accepted him, then we're in crisis. Verse 39, John says, that up till now the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not been glorified. That is, he'd not died. He'd not been on the cross. It hadn't been finished what he came to do, to reconcile men, women, all people to himself. The one we were created to be with. See, God creates the word perfect. There's no suffering, there's no sin, there's no disease, there's no heartache. And we mess it up. We only got to look at the world, look at the news, and we see the mess that human beings have made of the world. And looking closer, look in our own hearts, our actions, our thoughts the impact they've had on our own lives and others, things that maybe we feel now, I can't do anything about that. Well, God says, I I can do something about that. I can change that. We need help. We need restoring. If we were computers or phones, we'd need the factory reset. We need to be how God created us. And we cannot do that. We don't have our own off and on button it's not that simple we need Jesus the entire story of the earth is about creator coming to a people like us who need help who have an inbuilt thirst and simply saying come and ask me come and ask me most famous verses for Christians, John 3:16. John 3:16: "For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life." That is a quality of life, your deepest of needs met in Him, for all time. For God did not send his son into the world, and this is is actually my favorite verse in the Bible, not the one before. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name. In the name, remember the verse before, and his name, the only name of God's one and only son. As Jesus died on the cross, he took the mess we had made of the world and our lives. He took the right and the just punishment and he gave us himself. He gives us righteousness. He gives us hope. He gives us peace. He gives us a future. He gives us it all. We just need to believe in him. He exchanges his perfection for our mess. In Revelation 21, verse 6 to 8, we read this. This is at the end of the Bible, the last chapters of the Bible, when Jesus is with his people, everything is finished, everything is put right, and this is what it says. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexual immoral, immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And this is the second death. Now, whatever we think about hell, we have different views out there, I just want us to think what we think when we first read this. We think, okay, those that don't inherit, they're murderers and liars. So the people who do, they must be the opposite, right? No. It's not what it says, is it? It says, to the thirsty... To the thirsty, those who own their thirst, know that they need Jesus and that only Jesus can quench it. Those that know they are in need, those that thirst, inherit the kingdom. And what does it say about this water? It's free. We can't earn it, we can't pay for it, we can't be good enough to receive it. Jesus gives it to us with great cost to him, but not to us. And no crime can exclude us. No, no, nothing we could ever do would stop that happening if we know our thirst. We need Jesus. The only thing that excludes us is rejecting him. So... We need to. We've got final few slides. First, we need to own our thirst, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time. Secondly, we need to understand that all thirsts. Jesus can quench. It doesn't matter what it is, what you've done, what you've seen, who you've been, what you're struggling with. It doesn't matter if you're confused, he will counsel you. If you're scared, he will give you courage. If you're guilty, he will forgive you. If you're uncertain, he will give you wisdom. If you are stressed, he will give you peace. If you are mourning, he brings joy. He is the thirst quencher. And finally, the gift is for anyone, anyone who believes in his name. So will we accept this morning that we have thirst and that he can meet our needs? He sends his spirit to be in us, to transform us, to change us. And some of us feel dry, and that's okay, That's a holy thirst. God's saying, come closer. I want to meet your needs. And maybe for the first time ever, you're thinking, I think I need Jesus. Well, we're going to pray together now. I'd like everyone to stand. And we're going to pray all together. Whether you've prayed this prayer a million times or this is the first time today, let's just stand and pray it. And then the band will come and lead us. It's the most important prayer you can ever pray in your life. Okay, Steve. Bit of a head rush. You can never pray anything more important than this. This is death, this is life. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus. I am sorry for the wrong actions, thoughts, or lack of actions in my life. Please forgive me now. I know I need your help to change, to live the way you want me to. Please give me your living water, your Holy Spirit in me, to help me live you. Thank you, Jesus, that you promise that if we call on your name, if we come to you and ask, you will give us. And we thank you that you are here. Amen. If you've prayed that for the first time today, I'd love to speak to you afterwards.